Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. I always encourage people to think about these things in the, in the opposite way, which is, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, we need to raise money, let's have an event. Well, I'm here to tell you, and, you know, I, I say this, and it's so funny because it's basically talking myself out of business, but, you know, ex- events are the most expensive way to fundraise. Special events. Why do they call them special? Let's see. There's that board member who cares more about the centerpieces than getting his company to pony up a table. Oh, goodness, then you have to decide who sits where. And some volunteer has really frustrated you that Meryl Streep is unavailable to be your MC. So many moving pieces. As a development director colleague used to say, there are just so many things that could go wrong. Well, not if you have Jason Burlingame and Stamp Event Management on your team. Celebrating its 10th anniversary, Jason and his co-founder, Margaret Chrysostomo, run a special events firm here based in here in New York, but his clients are nationwide, from Google to GQ, from Orbis International to Ad Color. They also find themselves busy with Broadway show openings. I've known Jason for a long time, and his entire professional career has been about creating five-star special events on large budgets and small. I'm a huge fan of Jason's, and you will be too. Jason, thanks a lot for taking the time to chat. Thanks, Joan. That was a very lovely uh, introduction. Yeah, I wrote that myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised at that. <laughs> well, I, I just want to make sure that our listeners knew that you didn't write it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> congratulations on the 10-year anniversary. I can't believe it's been that long. Thank you. We are, we can't believe it either. It flew by and, you know, it's been an awesome ride. You know, I know you started in-house at a nonprofit and then you struck out on your own. So you, and you've done really since you graduated from college, basically always been in the special event business and you're very clearly very good at it. What do you enjoy about it? Um, you know, I, that's an interesting question because it's changed over the years. I think, you know, when I was first starting out, it was the sort of the excitement and the energy of it. And now, uh, you know, what I've discovered is that I really enjoy the problem solving aspect. I like, we do events that have a goal. So we don't do social events. We do events that are, you know, raising money for a cause or marketing a product or launching something. So I like to work towards a goal um, and events is a great means to do that. So you work both in the corporate and the not-for-profit sector. How are they different? Well, um, they're different because they're, they're usually with the nonprofits, it's, it's more complicated. There's a, there's a lot more moving pieces. So, you know, the, with, with the nonprofits, profits generally, there's, you know, there's really, there's, there's always a revenue side to this. Um, and that's really a lot of times so important, like the most important thing that the nonprofits look at. But what we try to encourage our clients to think about is not just the revenue, because it's, there are so many things that get you to that place. So it's about managing expenses. And sometimes it doesn't mean doing things the cheapest way possible. Sometimes you have to put money into something to get money back. Um, especially if you're doing a really nice event, like you can't go cheap on it because people are going to be like, why am I here? Why am I spending this money? Um, but I also think, you know, for us more than anything, it's about the process 
by which you get to the end. So the, it's not just about the day of the event, it's everything that you've done to lead up to that. And that's where we put a lot of emphasis in terms of our work. So how do you keep from being a nervous wreck? I mean, there really are a lot of moving pieces and there really are a lot of different things that could go wrong. How do you, how do you manage the anxiety associated with that? Both how do you at Stamp manage the anxiety and perhaps more importantly, how do you manage the anxiety of your client? You know, it's a matter of managing expectations because sometimes, you know, events tend to be really personal to people, even if it's not a personal event. Mm -hmm. So you have to really remind yourself that this may, something may happen and this event may not be going the direction that you want it to, but guess what? You change directions and you can still achieve the success that you were hoping for. So sometimes it's about just being nimble. Can you take us through kind of the elements of a plan? So what are the key components of the planning process? Sure. Well, the first, the first two, um, tools that we use, and this is, this is how we start an event is with a timeline and a budget (laughs) because (laughs) it seems so obvious. Yeah, well, it does seem obvious, but I, I think, you know, if you don't, if you don't have those, those two things give you the, basically the bone structure for what you're building. Right. So, you know, a timeline for us is, you know, a detailed timeline starting from the beginning of the planning process through the day of the event. And it has, you know, for our nonprofit clients, it will have sort of fundraising mm-hmm. benchmarks in terms of this is when your pre-sale needs to go out. This is when your invitation needs to go out. These are the follow-up, you know, those types of things. So that when you put that side by side with your budget, where you're looking at your revenue goals, your expense budget, you're able to really piece together, like, are we in good shape? Are we behind? Are we ahead? Like, can we, do we adjust up? Do we adjust down? So those to me for stamp are the two primary tools that we use to keep a planning process um, going. And then, you know, obviously when we're doing, if we're doing guest management for a client, there'll be weekly reports and those types of things. But that, that with a timeline and a budget, you actually have the tools to look at an event overall and say, are we right. on track? So one of the questions that I think listeners will have is how do you know whether you should hire an outside firm to run your event? Well, I'll tell you this. I think, you know, every organization is a little bit different in terms of size and scale staff, you know, what their capacity is. And I think it's about looking at what your organization, where do you want your staff resources spent, right? So as an executive director, you look at your team, you look at what your goals are for your organization, and then you have to determine what do we need to supplement. And our, our philosophy at Stamp is that, you know, there are nuts and bolts of events that I would never recommend you have your internal staff doing. Internal staff should be focused on fundraising. Um, and Joan, I think that's, you know, we actually have modeled Stamp after how we, we work together at GLAD, which is, you know, we were as special event staff responsible for a substantial amount of fundraising. Um, and then we were strategic about supplementing our team with outside with third party vendors to help manage the event. Is success for you measured when a nonprofit says, oh, I didn't meet my budget. I didn't meet my revenue goals stamp. And do you find yourself in the doghouse around that? No, I think one of the things that we, we are very clear with our clients about is that we can teach you best practices. We can teach you, we can help guide you and keep you on track. 
but ultimately the, the fundraising is the responsibility of our clients. And we can only, and this is really, really important. And I hope all clients are listening. You know, we can only help you as much as you let us. So, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I think anybody in any industry has this challenge. The client vendor relationship can be really, really complicated. And sometimes there's a um, people, not because they, for any good reason necessarily, they just, they're afraid to let go of things. They're afraid to trust. They're afraid to say, yes, I'll follow what your lead is. Um, and that's the biggest mistake a client can make. Because if you're hiring someone like Stamp or a company like Stamp, we've literally been doing this for 20 years for so many different nonprofits. And it really is something where you have to, you know, you don't want to write somebody a check and then not take their advice. You know, you're paying me to, to guide you. So listen, you know, and trust. Yeah. But at executive directors and, and uh, very highly invested board members are not always the best delegators though, are they? No, I mean, well, no one is. I mean, I think that's the thing is that, and this is actually some, a lesson that, that I was fortunate enough to learn early on with you as my, as my mentor is that, and you and Julie is that, you know, delegating is so, so, so important. Um, because the, the, what we see is when, when things go wrong is when one person is trying to do too much, you know, and this is about fitting to putting together a puzzle piece or a puzzle using lots of different pieces so, you know, you have to know your role and stay in your lane um, and, and focus on, on what you need to be focused so on. So here you are in a nonprofit, right? You're working with a nonprofit. They're your clients. And we all know that executive directors are completely type A. And you're right. Uh, uh, board members can be very, either very uninvested or hyper invested. So what kind of advice can you offer to uh, nonprofits about how to engage your board productively so they're not focusing in on where their best friend is seated, mm-hmm. um, where their boss is seated, um, uh, how big the font size will be for their company in the program or that dreaded centerpiece. How do you engage the board productively? Give us some practical, specific advice. So the first thing that I think is really important with engaging, you know, high level volunteers slash board members is you need to state your needs very, very clearly. Um, because a lot of people have a lot of ideas. They, they assign a lot of, um, you know, uh, I guess, importance or value to things that may not have value for the organization. Like, so give, give, me, yeah, exec- just give me an example of something like that. Well, you know, it could be, it could be something as simple as centerpieces or, 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 or like you said, like the, how listings are being done or whatever that is, you know, how you're recognizing sponsorship. But so what we would say is say, all right, let's state need, let's, let's, let's create like mini job descriptions for what, what each board member is going to be contributing here. Because I think where, where we see the biggest problem is sort of this committee mentality. If you're not managing a committee properly, then it turns into a place where there's a lot of ideas that are shared and it turns into like a processing factory, but really decisions are never made. And what that does is it blows your timeline, it, it, it pulls focus, and it creates, in some cases, a lot of emotion where there doesn't need to be emotion. 
So I think if you're clearly stating needs, and so Joan, we used to do this a lot at Glad, was, you know, say, okay, you know, we need each board member to raise X amount of dollars towards this event. These are the, these are the ways in which you can do that. Um, or it can be even more specific than that and say, we need a spirit sponsor for this event to offset, you know, X costs. Um, you know, there are things like that. We're working with a client right now where one of their senior level volunteers works for one of the major publishers and was able to donate the design and printing of their save the date and invitation and all that kind of stuff, which offset a huge yeah, cost. Great. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't think it's about taking whatever people have to give. It's about saying, this is where, this is what we need. And, and how can we fill that? That's need? smart. That's really smart. And it seems to me too, I was talking about this yesterday with a client and we were talking about how to engage um, the board productively in a whole host of things. And there's a, there's a way that executive directors can redirect as well. I like your job description idea a lot. Um, there's also a redirect tactic, which is um, we could continue to talk about these centerpieces. Do you actually feel like that's the best use of our time? Right. And so I also I think that um, executive directors don't often enough use the power of inquiry to redirect their board members to a different place. Right. Well, I think those are those are actually that actually leads to the two other points that I just want to make about this real quickly. One is, you know, is about really establishing priorities, you know, is is the decor the priority for this event? You know, for some of our events, it is for corporate events and for marketing events and those types of things. I would assume GQ, it matters, right? Yeah. They've got a very, very clear aesthetic that we, we want to support and reinforce, but you know, and for some of the nonprofits that can be a priority, but, and that's fine if it is, it's just, you need to establish what your priorities are so that when someone comes to you with a concern, you can say, listen, that is something that's lower on the list for us. We will absolutely address it, but we need to kind of check these other things off the list before we get there. And then the other thing that I really found that I've really found to be an important idea is that, you know, as I said, we like a thoughtful process, but we also believe that you can't overthink things because the thing with events is that you start doing them and as you get in it, things evolve. So you want to have structure so that you're able to keep, stay on track and you want to have priorities. So you know what you're working towards and goals, but you also want to let it evolve a bit as you all come together to do this. And I, you know, the really good ideas float to the surface and some really great things can come out of it. So, you know, like, uh, I was talking to one of the caterers we work with and she said, I just got yelled at for the first time in my career by a client, like really, really yelled at. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I remember when that first happened to me. And she said, you know, it's so funny because it was a CEO yelling about a coat check and how that was going to work. And it's like, this is an example <laughs> of like, you know, like the coat check wasn't, they were, the event hadn't even started yet. So it was nothing to worry about. And you know, when you have professionals like them or us, like those types of details is just not where leadership should be focusing unless it's going wrong. And then you can say this is not working properly. It needs to well, be you know, it's and possible anything. that that organization had some prior um, coat check crisis and is experiencing like PTSD coat check or something. Yeah, but I think also as a client, what you should what I love when our clients 
do for us. Because I think people give you a lot of information without even knowing it. So I always ask, we always ask them, what worked well for you? And if it's our first time, or even if it's not our first time, what worked well? What did, what do we need to look at? You know, I just did an event yesterday, which is our second time doing this event. And the year before, um, it's a, it was a corporate event, but the year before they had these photos that they wanted us to display and they gave them to us really late, which don't, clients don't do that. <laughs> but um, they were really low res. So when we printed them, we could only print them like five by sevens and we put them on, there were eight of them. So they were on a wall and it looked really tiny and silly. And so when we started the event this year, I said, you know what, I this is for me something I want to do better this year. And so we did this great wall display of iPads that were all kind of scrolling the different photos and things. And I thought, well, there you go. That's a perfect example of a, some, it's a small example of seeing something that didn't work well before addressing it and doing it better the next time. And so that's, that's a priority. That was a priority for me. You know, we're here talking with Jason Burlingame, the founder of Stamp Event Management. He's a special events guru with a fabulous team located here in New York, but works with clients all across the country from L.A., Chicago, San Francisco and New York. You can all find them at stampeventco.com. So small organization, it's growing. How does an organization, how do you, what do you think? How does an organization know it's ready for a special event? This is a question I get quite a lot. So I actually, you know, I thought about this and I think, you know, for, there's two things that I'll say. It's, uh, there's one overarching statement, which is, can you sustain this? And what that means, what that means is, can you sustain it financially? Like if you didn't hit your, if you don't hit your financial goal on the event, is it going to decimate? Is it going to even be a blip on your screen? Yep. Because you can't go into an event with anxiety. A first time event is really, really hard to, you're not going to, I mean, most people don't make a million dollars off their first event. I mean, there are some organizations that we've worked with who, that are really famous and, you know, raise a lot of money with their events. But if they start a new event, it doesn't necessarily mean that their new event is going to do what their other events do. Well, they have a, you know, you, isn't it also true too, that uh, an event, because you talked about earlier, an event is about relationship, creating, stewarding, building mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that there can be a goal in creating a special event for the first time. That is, it needs to be broader than just simply the, the revenue target. Well, and I think that, yes, but I, that's absolutely true. And that's true for events, whether they're in a first year or their hundredth year, you know, it's about relationships. It's about talking about the organization. You know, this, it's about talking about the organization in a public way that you get to control. So it's, 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 it's so many things, these events for nonprofits. And so all of those goals are really, um, valid and really equally valid. But when you ask me, how does an organization know that they're ready for an event? If it's a fundraising event, you have to be able to pay for it. Like you can, because the anxiety around fundraising is the most anxious that I think nonprofits get around their, their, their events. And, you know, I, I always encourage people to think about these things in the, in the opposite way, which is, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh, we need to raise money. Let's have an event. Well, I'm here to tell you, and you know, I, I say this and it's so funny because it's basically talking myself out of business, but you know, ex- events are the most expensive way to fundraise. Right. That's what I would say. Like, are you ready to, to, to 
take a go into the deep end. Um, and it's all manageable. You know, it's all manageable. And that's why I, we always say you need to start with a budget and a timeline because the budget gives you a snapshot of what you're willing to do financially. It gives you that framework to work within. So, you know, you may say we have $30,000 to spend on this event. Well, okay, so that's going to be a small cocktail event, right? you know, um, and that can help you scale your your expectations and really also maximize them. So you can say, well, this is going to be the best damn cocktail party ever. And this is how we're going to talk about the organization. And this is how we're going to get the people there. And this is how we're going to sell the ticket. Um, so let's talk about an example of working with a uh, nonprofit special event virgin. And you've, done, <laughs> you've done a couple of those, I'm sure. Yeah. Is there one that stands out for you that you can kind of talk about so how it went and the process yeah. a little bit? Yeah, well, actually, the what the 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 organization that I would like to profile actually is one that you and I both have very strong connections to. Um, it's our colleague Rashad at Color of Change. Um, we did their ten year anniversary event last October, and Rashad came to Margaret and I and said, "You know, hey, this is our first gala." <laughs> We want to do our very first gala and it's to celebrate our 10 years. How do we do right. it? I'm going to guess you, can I, can I guess that you started yeah. with a timeline and a budget? <laughs> we sure did. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, what we did was we, we sat down and said, okay, what are you envisioning? You know, like in your mind, what are you envisioning? Is it a dinner? Is it a cocktail thing? Like if it's a dinner, like how are we scaling this? You know? And so as you know, Rashad is a brilliant, um, charismatic leader and was able to really say that, you know, this is, this is what I need. This is what I want. So we started pulling together a budget for him and obviously a timeline to work back. So we knew generally what the dates were that he wanted to work from. And then it really informed how, what venue we chose, what was happening at the event, you know, it, it helped us build that structure. And they were, you know, they actually handled all of their own fundraising, but, you know, we were able to advise them on, you know, how to do it, this, the timeline and schedule for it, the tools that they needed. You know, those are all things that we, we know very, very well and are equipped to, to advise on. And so it, it turned, and, you know, the great thing about it was that, and it sounds like a nightmare because, you know, this is one of the hardest things is that, you know, they were doing a rebrand at the time. So it was a matter of getting their rebrand done in conjunction with the event on the same timeline, like all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, you know, and this I think is, is a testament to having a thoughtful process and, and identifying priorities. It all came together and it was just, it was such an incredible night. And it was something where we were really proud to be a part of it. We were proud of him personally, professionally. Um, it was just so cool. And so fill in the blank for me, Jason. It was an incredible evening because. Because it profiled their organization in a way that it hadn't happened yet. This was their first time being able to stand up there and say, this is what we've done over the 10 years and this is where we're going. And you, you, they really did a great job of talking about who they are and what they do to a room of really incredible people, powerful, incredible people that were there to celebrate them. So it was actually marrying fundraising and their programmatic work in a beautiful I, way. in fact, believe that that is one of the most important keys to the success of a special event that 
it is mission centric, right? I mean, there are people who go to events, not your events, of course, but there are people mm -hmm. who go to events and they barely remember what the organization was whose event they went to. There mm -hmm. are organizations that where the executive director will say, we have to keep the program short because people don't like a long program, to which I almost inevitably respond, people like a really good program. Yes. And maybe Correct. it can be too long, but you don't start by defining how long your program should be. You start by defining how good your program should be. It's useful if an organization considers a special event to be like BAIT, B-A-I-T, that mm -hmm. it has a fundraising goal, it has a goal of inspiring people around the mission. Don't you think that sometimes the success of a special event is measured by what happens after? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think, you know, yes. I think that is that is certainly a perspective from a former executive director. I think it's... Um, certainly a perspective that people need to have is that this, this isn't just one night and you know, you're, you're, you want to carry this through the rest of your year. And just from an event perspective, it's important because if this is an annual event, you want to continue to engage these people. So they keep coming back year after year. So, you know, as an event professional, that would be our goal. And I think the goal of the organization is, is, a, is broader you know, to get engaged people in as many ways as they possibly can. Yeah. When I first got to GLAD, I was told that I couldn't fundraise for eight weeks before our big event and for eight weeks after our big event. Um, and I, my immediate reaction after I stopped laughing was, we aren't going to be doing it that yeah. way anymore. Yeah. Beca because what you do at a really good special event is get people fired up and ready to go. Um, so last question. Last question. I'm sorry that I'm a little bit focused and obsessed with centerpieces, but it comes up so often. The loveliest, cheapest centerpiece you have ever designed for a special <laughs> event. Well, <laughs> you know what I, I, what the loveliest and cheapest is actually, I like, what I like to do is make the dessert the centerpiece. <laughs> so, you know, because you're already paying for the dessert. So why not do like a really cool tier of pedophores or little bite-sized desserts that people that decorate the table, but then also allow people to have their dessert. So what that does, um, it does a couple of things for you. One, it doubles down on your, your food and beverage. So you're actually supplementing your decor with it. And it also, That's so it smart. also helps in terms of service timing, because a lot of times what you're trying to do, a lot of times what makes an event long is service. So you're cutting out one portion of service timing in order to do that. And, it, and you know what? It gives, it gives the catering or the food and beverage people an opportunity to get really creative with their food. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We are about out of time. Um, I wanted to say thank you again to Jason Burlingame, a co-founder of Stamp Event Management. You can find a lot of information about their clients and how they work at their website at stampeventco, that's stampeventco.co.com. I also just wanted to uh, identify the organization that, that Jason, that you were talking about earlier, Color of Change, run by our friend and colleague, Rashad Robinson. 
Uh, it is the largest online civil rights organization and is found, I believe, at www.colorofchange.org. Um, so awesome. you should check them out. Thanks a lot for joining us. And um, I really appreciate your insights and all that you do for the uh, Well, thank you so much. It's been great. And I hope you have a good I have more to say. <laughs> Don't you wish your organization got some press? More press? Any press? If that sounds like you, you'll want to be with us next time when we're joined by Howard Bregman. Howard is one of the most recognized PR professionals in the country. We're going to be talking about nonprofit PR. We're going to be talking about celebrities and nonprofits and much more. Howard is the go-to guy on television who explains celebrity misbehavior, corporate crisis, and the role of spin in our everyday lives. He's the author of the best-selling book, Where's My 15 Minutes? But more importantly, Howard Gives Back. He has received numerous awards and recognition for his work as a political activist in the HIV and AIDS community, in the LGBT community, and for a variety of Jewish causes. Join us. You won't want to miss it. Nonprofits Are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.